Welcome to the Iowa Specialty Hospitals and Clinics Ish Dish Podcast, practical health advice from Iowa Specialty Hospital experts. We want to connect the members of our communities with the latest healthcare information that's understandable, relatable, and useful to your daily life. Oh my goodness, in the studio today, we have Tiffany Tolliver, and Tiffany is a ARNP, Advanced Registered Nurse Practitioner. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. You and I go back a long way. Yes, we do. <laughs> I think we met when our daughters were four. I'm not even so sure. Three? A little bit younger than that. Yeah. I was thinking probably three. Yeah. And yeah. my daughter is now 31. Allison and just turned 32. Th- right, right. Yeah. So holy moly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> lots, lots of fun <laughs> memories. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh. So many. Lots of sleepovers. <laughs> exactly. Look, that's a whole nother podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> How to survive sleepovers with girls. Right. So look, give me a little history on you and how you came to be a nurse practitioner, because it's pretty interesting where you started from. Sure. I actually started at Iowa Specialty Hospital in the summer of 1988. Oh, wow. I know, right? It's crazy. And I started as a CNA. Mm. I was going to nursing school and then went through nursing school and then worked as a floor nurse for several years and then went to public health for a while, Mm -hmm. which was a great experience. I really feel like that helped really develop some critical thinking skills because when you're out in a house by yourself, you... You don't have that extra person to come and right. help you. You have to be able to start that IV or know that medication. Right. And then you ended up being their maternal health coordinator. I did. Right? Yep. Yeah. I did that for a long time, which was really very much of a passion of mine. I loved working with these young moms and helping them be their best healthy pregnancy and helping them be that first time parent because as we know, these babies don't come with instructions, right? Mm-hmm, for sure. And then I did WIC for many years. And That's so right. it's I'm at that age now though, I'm seeing the kids that I saw as babies now having babies. So, you know, I remember when Dr. Witters had said yep. that once. I'm like, I am there. Right. <laughs> I am there now. That's awesome. Yeah. So I did that. And then I came back to Iowa Specialty Hospital and came back as the director of nursing and did that for, gosh, I don't even know, it, 10 years maybe. Okay. And then I went back to school during that time and got my master's degree in healthcare administration and master's in nursing And then I went back to public health and was the administrator there for a couple years. Gosh, I forgot about that. Right. And then we had, in the midst of that, we're adopting some children. So life was a little crazy at the Tolliver house. Mm -hmm. And Gabriel, who is our seven-year-old, will be eight in November, had some health issues. If you kind of remember that when he was born, he had some health issues. Which now he's well. But it really kind of took my focus. And I realized I couldn't at that time, try to balance a important job of public health and try to take care of two other little children at home Mm -hmm. and Gabe who was sick. So I chose to not do that job anymore. And I just worked PRN here. Mm -hmm. OB, of course, right? The floor a few times, mostly OB. And then Dr. Witters and Steve Simonen and Dr. Aronson had approached me and said, hey, what do you think about going back to school and be a nurse practitioner? And I thought, have you lost your mind? <laughs> I've been in school. So I've been long. in school so long, yeah. and I have these three little ones now. Oh. Not to know the fourth was going to be coming right. along shortly after that. And so I'm like, okay, no, you know what? I think back. I did. I son was born in February, and they talked to me in like March oh. because 
I was like, oh my goodness, like this is crazy. But then there's this part of me that thought, why not? You've right? never backed away from a challenge. No. Ever. No. No. So yeah. I'm not shocked. And I at like all. school. So mm-hmm. I, I like learning. Mm-hmm. So I took the challenge and I thought, gosh, if I'm gonna do this, I don't know if I get any school. You know, I have to yeah. apply. So I applied, did all this paperwork quickly, and in April, like the end of the April, I got in. So I went to Allen in Waterloo and did that, and here I am. Here you are. And I love it. Absolutely, I can't imagine doing anything else. You have a huge patient base. I do. I see your stats every month, and I just think, oh my gosh, girl. I do. I do. (laughs) And I love it. I remember when you first were starting out, and I seen like six people in one day, and I was like, (laughs) Wow, this is I'm incredible. Rocking it. <laughs> I'm rocking it. And now you're like 21. But the downside is when you do have a good population base, that means you're busy and sometimes your patients can't always get in to see me. Right. And that's one of the things I don't like. You know, right. I really try to see my own patients. But unfortunately, sometimes, especially with kind of our call schedule and stuff, mm-hmm. it happens. Yeah. And right now with Dr. Aronson going to Antarctica on mm-hmm. his new adventure, I'm going to help pick up some of his patients, Wow! which really makes the most sense between myself and Karen Johansson, because we tend to probably do the most with the autism and ADHD patients, right. although all of the providers do that. I feel like that's probably more of our population base. And the three of us, Dr. Aronson, Karen Johansson, who's the PA for us, and myself, we have been what's called MAPS trained, hmm. and which was another like back to school thing. So MAPS stands for Medical Academy of Pediatric Specialists. Okay. I would say I'm not a specialist in anything, just have <laughs> some knowledge in a lot of things. But it was actually a quite an intense training. We traveled, like I've been to California, North Carolina, wow. and you do with some self-studies and you have to actually take tests. And so I actually took my last and final test to be MAP certified in December mm. of this past year. It took me five years to get there wow. with COVID in there as well. Oh, sure. So again, I would say it doesn't make me an expert in anything, but just have some more knowledge base. Mm-hmm. And with MAPS, they do talk a lot about autism, ADHD, kind of neurodivergent health issues, a lot more of homeopathic based, mm-hmm. obviously medicine based, but we look at more natural ways to like healthy eating and sleeping and supplements and things like that. So just thinking outside the box a little bit more. So So this is an excellent segue, what you have just told us. And thank you for that. I think your story is incredible. And having known you all these years, you have never in not one iota backed away from anything that... Except snakes. Well, there's that, yeah. (laughs) I like those. Um, So we really brought you on today to talk to you about ADD, ADHD, because you do deal with that a lot. And And as a parent. Right. Yeah. Of my four adopted children, two have special needs and Mm -hmm. three have the ADHD. So I know what it's like as a parent to have those morning struggles and get those phone calls from school and try to figure out different medications. So yeah, so you really are the perfect person to talk to this about. I want to first start by asking you to define what is ADD or ADHD and how do those two terms differ? Because it seems like they're used a lot interchangeably. Correct. And they really are used and they are considered interchangeably. So ADD stands for attention deficit disorder. And I would say that that was maybe the original term that came out years ago. You know, you had attention deficit. 
And then the diagnosis code or formatting of the word went to ADHD, which stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. Okay. Well, as we know, in the medical world, things change and diagnoses change. For example, in autism, even though we know that some people are considered in the Asperger's category, that's no longer a recognized diagnosis under what we call mental health disorders or DSM-5. And now ADD is not considered a diagnosis either. ADHD is. So how that works is when I'm coding something or putting in a diagnosis code. So let's say, Gina, I, I let's say I saw you as a patient and mm-hmm. we we say that you have ADHD. There is, you can further define it as ADHD with inattention, okay, with hyperactivity or with both. Okay. And I've had that before where I've had a patient say, hey, I see my chart says ADHD. Well, I don't have the hyperactivity part. And then I'll explain to them, I agree, but then I'll put underneath it that they have the inattention part. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you can even code it as just inattention. Inattention is a diagnosis of itself, but basically they are interchangeable, but ADD is not really considered a true medical diagnosis anymore. Okay, so what are, I'm curious, what are the main signs and symptoms then of ADHD? Because I feel like out in the public, in the real world, People just loosely use that term and probably inappropriately. Right, right. Because sometimes kids are kids, mm-hmm. you know, and right. especially like with boys, you know, I want to say just with boys because I've had three girls and three boys now and they're <laughs> really quite different. But at what point are kids just kids, you right. know, that exactly. they're bored or they're busy? Um, my son, Jack, he's got a lot of energy. And so he's not going to be the kid that's going to probably sit and play with the kitchen at daycare at school, mm-hmm. he wants to be out pushing trucks and running and uh, jumping, and he's right. just got a lot of energy. But that to doesn't use. mean he has ADHD. Correct. He's it just means just, he's busy. Right. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, how do you decide? Is it just busyness or is it ADHD? Mm-hmm. So the three main signs are inattention, okay, impulsivity, and in some cases hyperactivity. So if a parent were to come in to see me for maybe consultation of how do we diagnose or does my child have an inattention or hyperactivity diagnosis. There is a standardized form and it's called Vanderbilt. And so it's a scoring sheet where the parent, and sometimes the child when they're older, I'll have the parents do a sheet and compare. And it's just answering like often, very often, never, sometimes, seldom, that kind of answers. Mm -hmm. And it has questions like, do you feel like you're like the Energizer Bunny? Like, do you feel like you're go, go, go all the time? Questions like that. Right. And I always tell them there's no right or wrong answer. Just answer like what comes to your mind. Don't answer what you think somebody wants to hear. And then based off of that, it gives us a score. And one of the nice things with that is then if we were to try some different treatment options, and it's not always medicine. might be like cleaning up your diet, getting some sleep, trying some other activities like, okay, maybe they do need to get off the couch and run around outside and burn off some energy. Regardless of what we try, coming back in for a reevaluation, we would retest that same Vanderbilt. And the goal would be is that those numbers would be getting lower, not higher. Might be the same, but the goal would be is that you want them to start moving down. We also do a test called a TOVA test, and I can't tell you what that actually stands for off the top of my head, like to break down what the TOVA stands sure. for. But basically, it's a computer test. 
that we do offer here. And you can do that for children and adults, as long as they are old enough that they can play a computer game, Mm -hmm. you can do it. So we've had kids as young as like three or four do it. And so with the Tova, often we'll have you do it not on any medication to see how you do. Typically, if you have some inattention or hyperactivity, what happens is you'll start to see it's like four quarters on this game test. And then you'll see that people start out doing really well and then they start missing stuff mm. because they lose focus yep. and, and attention. Like we're done with this. We're done now. with it. Yeah. yeah. And I'll even say to them afterwards, like, how did you think that went? And they're like, yeah, I didn't do so well at the end. <laughs> like I started really good in the beginning and they know they're like, and then I don't know. I just like, yeah, what's I didn't care anymore. Right. Yeah. So then again, you go back and you try some form of treatment again, whether it's medication, whether it's diet, sleeping, there's some more natural kind of things sometimes you can try to, and then you retake the test and you, the goal would be is that you're able to do it a little more focused. Sure. One of the things I probably hear the most from parents with children in school is they do well in the morning, and then by mid-afternoon, things are starting to kind of wear off. Mm -hmm. So we have to look at medication adjustments for that. So Okay. Yeah. That's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. So it's not just an easy diagnosis. Oh, Mm -hmm. yeah. That's what they have. We really, really do also focus, like I said, on sleep and diet. If we haven't slept well that night, I don't know about you, but I know I'm not so focused. Absolutely. So diet is also important. One of the things we really encourage is watching red dyes. And that doesn't mean that every child or every person is going to react the same to red dyes. It's kind of like sugar. You can ask a thousand different providers and you're going to get a thousand different answers if sugar affects children. Some sugar does affect children. Some does not, just like you or I. But it's worth trying to see if it does make things better. For example, red dyes. Lots of food have red dyes. And some children and some adults just have more of a reaction to it, and it tends to be more of kind of a hyperreaction. For an example, I had this young school-aged child who was doing really, really well. We really got his meds figured out, and he was having a great school year, and his mom was happy, and they weren't fighting and no crying, and things were really going well. And I'm like, yes, we got this. She comes in, and she's like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but he is just like off the wall. He's getting in trouble in school. The school's been calling, and I can't handle him at home. I'm like, anything changed? And she's like, no, nothing. And so we're going through some stuff. And I go, what about his diet? Has anything changed in that? She says, all he wants to do is eat Takis, 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 Takis. And I'm like, red Takis? And she's like, yeah. Is this a candy? or It's a- like a Mexican kind okay. of chip. Okay. 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 And they have like blue and red mm-hmm. and they're kind of spicy. Same thing with flaming red Cheetos or sure. Cheetos. Okay. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, stop. You know, just... <laughs> Just just try that. Just don't let him have that anymore. And he looks at me like, thank you for telling my mom I can't have these. Yeah. But I'm like, just just try it. Like, just try it. That's literally the only thing that they changed was mom took away the talkies. Mm-hmm. Behavior's not back. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And so I've seen that. Even in my own children, right. I've seen that. So really, it's know your own child. Right. Right. And not that one size fits all for everybody. But Absolutely. just hone in on your child yeah. and their behavior yeah. and... And that, and that particular child, they could eat cookies, they could eat sugar, and didn't really seem to have any reaction to that. But give that kid red dyes. Oh, my. And it was like the Energizer Bunny times 10. Wow, what a great thing for him to know for life, though. Mm-hmm. It was an eye-opener for him as well. Like, okay, maybe this is making me feel that way. Mm-hmm. So I know the topic of today was to really talk about children and this diagnosis. Is it pretty prevalent in adults? Yes. And so what I say is, If you are diagnosed as a child with ADHD, 
when you turn 18, it just doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, insurance companies thinks it does because oh, nice. you might be on a medication and it's been paid for for years. And then all of a sudden you turn 18 and then 21 and then they don't want to pay for it anymore. So then you have to go justify that because it doesn't go away. Right. What happens is as adults, some people were never treated, but you learn coping skills, mm-hmm. you learn study skills, and you learn how to adjust. So the diagnosis is still there, but most adults have just learned to adjust. And I had a really good example of this a while back. I had a guy, probably about my age-ish, which is really young, who came in and he had had ADHD diagnosis when he was younger, took medications pretty much through elementary, junior high, and high school. Then when he got to college, just stopped taking it, didn't think he needed it. And I think part of it was probably insurance and paying for it. Worked at a job that was more of a labor job. So the same thing every day. And he did fine. Mm -hmm. And he didn't need any medications. It was a very montaneous routine job. He did great. Then he got promoted to like a supervisor. And he's like, something that should take me like 30 minutes, like doing a schedule is taking me three hours. Oh my. And he's like, I don't want to lose this job. So got him back on medications and he was doing great. But he went a long time without it. Mm -hmm. And then he realized he just couldn't focus long enough to do something that was, it was just taking it far too long. Right. Kind of showed to him that it didn't go away. But in the meantime, he had adopted some learning curves. That's good. Yeah. So with your experience with your own children and the fact that probably it's more prevalent in children and school is coming whether we like it or not, it's right around the corner. What are some tips and tricks that you can give to parents or caregivers of how to make the beginning of the school day go a little more smoothly if there is this diagnosis? Yeah, right. So in some cases, some parents have chosen, which is absolutely fine, to give their kids what we call a drug-free break. So sometimes they don't give medication over the summer. Some don't give medications on the weekends. And that's okay. That's just whatever they prefer to do. And so I'm seeing a lot more visits right now because school is starting and making sure that, one, the medication is still the right medication. As we grow, we have to sometimes change doses. But getting back on track before school starts because you want to be ready now and not in the midst of school trying to make it work. Mm -hmm. So getting back to your medication regimen, getting back to that sleep cycle, Mm -hmm. healthy eating that maybe we haven't all done so over in the summertime. I know my kids are definitely not on a best sleep schedule right now either. So we just were talking about that too, getting them back into that routine. Right. But this is a time where you want to start thinking about your goals for that school year. So setting some reasonable goals for the school year helps set the tone and gives clear expectations that can lead to a more successful academic year. Goals could revolve around completing assignments and turning them in, getting them ready for school on time, good reports on behavior at school, getting to bed on time. Each family will have their own views on what is important. It's important that you meet with a teacher and may even be meet with a teacher earlier if you're able to. I know sometimes you maybe not know who the teacher is. Maybe it's a new teacher. There's lots of new teachers every year. So you just start off the school well and they know that maybe your child needs to be the kid that sits in the front of the room because if he sits in the back of the room, he gets easily distracted. Maybe the child needs a fidget toy because they think better. Know when maybe they need a break. 
If they, yeah. if you see that they're starting to get in fidgety, do they need to go get a drink or do they need something? I think this would be valuable information for any teacher to know right? up front. Yeah, yeah. And the teachers are great. And the other thing is part of the evaluation that we also do with our ADHD kids, it's called a Connors form. And it's really a lengthy form that teachers fill out for us that helps us see what's going on in school, because often what's happening at school may not be the same of what's happening at home. Sometimes it is, but sometimes kids are better at home and horrible at school or have challenges at school or vice versa. So then that's something that they give to you? They give to us. Yeah. So so we appreciate that teachers take the time to do that because it is extra work. And if you have to do that for five or six kids, Mm -hmm. it's pretty complex paperwork, but we do value it and we use that. So Thank you, teachers, if you are doing that. But just knowing how the school year is going to start, my children are very forgetful and they'll forget things. And we have really worked on, one, being responsible for other things, but we've like a checkoff list to say, okay, do you have your classes? Do you have your school bag? Do you have your tennis shoes? Do you have and everything you need? that's a great lifelong lesson. Right? And we, did, we do it the night before because right. morning comes early. They have to be on the bus at 7. Oh, my. Right? And so we do as much as we can the night before, even laying out our clothes, because I know that's a struggle for a lot of parents. Mornings are tough. Mm -hmm. And if they don't want to get out of bed and then they don't want to get dressed and then you don't have your backpack and then you're late for the bus, the morning sets the tone for the whole day. Right. At least it does for me. Absolutely. So one of my best suggestions is plan ahead. Lay out things the night before. Make sure you have the shoes in the bag. You have everything you need so you're not scrambling. Mm -hmm. And it just sets a better day because if they get to school and they know they don't have those things as well, one, they're afraid they're going to get in trouble. And two, they don't have the things that they need for the day. Sure. Rewards. We're we're quick to, at least I'll say I'm quick to, sometimes we're quick to be upset with a child if something didn't go well. Or I shouldn't say maybe even upset, but to point it out. Like, hey, you forgot to do this. I'm trying as a parent and I'm trying to help the parents I'm working with to reward when days are good. Mm -hmm. We tend to focus on the days that are bad. Let's reward, hey, you know what? Today, you got up and you only had to push your alarm clock twice. Yesterday, you had to push it four times. So the little things can make a difference. I don't expect perfection, Mm -hmm. but just improvement. So really focus on that and reward them for the little things. And because we all want to hear the positives of our day. And those are really good lifelong skills to build upon because we as adults even don't hear that. Correct. We don't get as much praise, but sure, people pick up on the things that you don't right? do. Exactly, right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> kind of goes back to Quint Studer, <laughs> the mm-hmm. whole theory of when, um, for those of you that don't know Quint Studer, he's really a guru on healthcare and on service excellence. And I can still remember at one of, his, one of the conferences I had gone to where he talked about how quick we are to call maintenance to tell them when something's wrong, like it's too cold, it's too hot. But yep. do we ever call and say, hey, thank you, the temperature's perfect Just in the right office today? today. <laughs> we don't. But should we? Absolutely. Absolutely, yes. But one of the things about rewards, I really try to say, don't make them food-based, for one. Mm. We already have issues with childhood obesity. Sure. But it doesn't mean they can't be a treat to say, okay, maybe go get the ice cream cone. But don't make everything focused around mm-hmm. food. And it doesn't have to be things that cost money either. I don't expect them to say, oh, if you have a really good week, you're going to go get a $30 Lego set. It could be going to the library. It could be having extra time in the evening. One of the best things I had heard, and I cannot take credit for it, I'm stealing the idea that Mm -hmm. I actually got from another patient, was 
one of the kids, she got a Lego set and the other one, she got a puzzle and they earned pieces. Oh, wow. And then they put the pieces in a bag and sure. once they got all their pieces, they could put it together. They got to put it together. That's and they got cool. that one-on-one -on -one time to put it together, whether right. it was with mom or dad. I'm like, that's a great idea. Brilliant. So I've stole that and I've used that and it works great. Yep. Um, sometimes tickets, like in a ticket might be helping mom make chocolate chip cookies or dad mm -hmm. go do something in the garage, but they don't have to be things that cost money. Yeah. So even a hug is nice. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. A hug. Yeah. Right. Computer time. We really try to limit screen time. American Academy of Pediatrics recommends two hours or less of screen time. Daily. Daily. Yep, which my young adults really don't like me when I say that out loud. But then I explain the why. One is it can cause some vision issues. When you're staring at a screen all day, you can get dry eye syndrome because you're not blinking. Your brain needs to rest. Our brain is going all the time. We yeah. need to rest it. And you're not doing kid things. I want you to be outside. I want you playing. I want you running. I want you riding that bike. Yep. Go, Go to eat the mud. Yeah, exactly. Go do that. Yeah. So maybe screen time can be a reward. Like maybe they get 10 minutes extra. But praise, you know, you can't praise enough. You really can't praise enough. The other thing is just helping with the days going well. One of the suggestions that I have, and I often hear this probably more with my middle-aged school kids when homework is starting to get harder, and then what happens is they just don't do it. Mm -hmm. So they're coming in and they're frustrated with themselves. The parents are frustrated. The teachers are frustrated because assignments aren't getting turned in. So I like analogies. And for my patients that come see me, they know I like analogies. So I often will talk about eat the green frog, mm -hmm. eat the big green frog. So I just told my husband this the other mm, day and he goes, love it. What? Yeah. Yeah. He didn't eat the know green about frog. And I even have one kid who put it like on his locker, like he picked the ugliest green frog he could find, pasted it in his locker. And one of the other parents told me that their son had gotten like a beanie baby ugly frog and stuck it like on oh, his computer desk. Cool. So for those that you don't know about the ugly green frog is... I tell my patients to think about the biggest, ugliest green frog that they could possibly think of, and it's staring at you, and it's going to look at you all day long. <laughs> and you know, at the end of the day, you have to eat the frog. We hate that frog. Right? <laughs> so would you rather just eat the frog in right. the morning and get, get it, it done? Right? Because I would. And then do the things that are the hardest first, because what do we tend to do? The things that are the easiest first are the things that we like first, and then we don't have the attention or the desire to do the things that are harder. And you know, I feel like that really has helped a lot of kids to focus on that and break it down, mm -hmm. break down assignments and write them down, list them out, cross them off. Sometimes Ooh, visuals so cross them things off, right? Yeah. And I feel like that that's helped a lot. I will often equate it to like my laundry room where I said, I'll go down and I'll see like this huge pile of laundry. You can only imagine the laundry in my house, right? <laughs> And, but if I break it, the Nazi. <laughs> I know, right? Like OCD extreme, right? And so I tell them when I break down my laundry and I have like my colors, my towels, my more delicate wash, et cetera, towels, I might have five smaller loads. It's still the same amount of laundry, mm -hmm. but it looks more doable. Right. Right? It looks yeah. more doable. I'm like, oh, one pile is done. And I feel like that has helped a lot of people just to know that, yes, it can be overwhelming, but break it down because it's doable. Mm -hmm. You just have to break it down because then when you start falling behind and you're getting behind in homework, it feels impossible to get caught back up. Yeah. So baby step it and get caught back up. I will tell you that this analogy has worked very well for me the last week and a half because I started a regular workout routine mm -hmm. and I'm working with Phil Beadle, who yeah. I did a podcast with. And we meet every Monday morning at 6.30 here in Clarion. 
And I just thought, this is never going to work because mm-hmm. I'm not a morning person. Right. And I said, are you serious? Like, we're really doing this? He goes, let's get it done. Right. Let's just get it done. done. And then you're done. And then yep. you don't have to stress about it or worry about it the rest of the day. You're free. I have taken that mindset and so far, so good. Right. That's my get big green frog. My husband and I will do that occasionally too. Like if we're dreading doing something, we're like, just go eat the frog. Get yep. it done. <laughs> so I, I use that analogy a lot because I think it works. And you can use it, as you said, for many things, right. not just homework. So, right. yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, let's just summarize a little bit. If you are listening to this podcast and you suspect that you have a child or a partner or somebody in your family maybe who you care about that might have ADHD and they haven't had official diagnosis, it's just we're suspecting it. What should they do? Make an appointment. Come and see us. Yep. We usually try to make those visits a little bit longer of a visit. So when you call to schedule, make sure they know that you want to be assessed for possibly ADHD because we'll we'll get a little bit more of a time slot so we can do more questioning and fill out some paperwork. Sometimes if we know that ahead of time, we might even try to give you the paperwork ahead of time. Just depends. But yeah, just come and see us. Let us evaluate it. And there's a lot of things we can try. And it's not always medicine. So I like to throw that out there. Right. Medication can work really well. But sometimes, like you said, sleeping, cleaning up your diet. There's some more homeopathic things. GABA, which is a non-medicine, it's more of a over-the-counter supplement can help with calming. GABA Mm -hmm. calms the neurotransmitters in your brain and can be calming. So if you have the child or even an adult, we have a lot of adults that use GABA too, it can calm your brain. And if your brain's a little bit calmer, sometimes you can think a little bit clearer, you can focus a little bit more. So especially in the younger kids, we might say, if you haven't tried these things, try these things first. So medication isn't always the answer right away. Sometimes you need to see if other things might help, Right. but medications can definitely be beneficial. So if I have a child who then I suspect that might have ADHD and I call the clinic, make an appointment to see you, am I fair in saying that this is something that's going to be followed up on? Correct. Yeah, this isn't a one and done. No, yep. Yeah, like I said, okay. usually it's like I said, it's a follow-up. We want to see if you've tried these things, what makes it better? Sometimes mm-hmm. it's even just structure or environment. Some kids do better in a smaller environment like for a daycare versus a large daycare center. It's too overwhelming for them, right. which was the case of our children. The great daycare, it was just too busy for them and they didn't do well. When we put them in a private daycare they tended to do better because it wasn't quite as overwhelming for them. Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on. You look every direction, there was things going on. Yep. Okay. I appreciate you being on. This is great yeah. information. I'm passionate about this. Yes, I think you as are. you can tell. Yes, yes, <laughs> I, love it. I can. And the, which makes it even better, if you will, when people come in to see you because you've lived through it, yeah. you've studied it. Right. You've got this. When I hear these parents say, I don't want the school to call one more time, or I'm afraid they're going to get kicked out of daycare, I'm like, I've been there. Yeah. And I love the connection between the teachers and you as the caregiver, the parent. It's a team approach, really. Absolutely. And I think that's fantastic and so wonderful for the children. And it's really not any kind of cookie cutter or recipe kind of medicine. Mm -hmm. What works for one may not work for the other. So we find what works for you. And sometimes it's trial and error. And that's what I tell my patients. There's no perfect algorithm that says, oh, your child is this this age and weighs this much. Oh, they need this medication. 
that would be amazing. Yeah. It's really what we call in the medical world, thumbs up, thumbs down. It worked. It didn't work. We try something else. Yeah. And so my analogy, then going back to the personal training, that's why I hired Phil. Mm-hmm. Because if I pull up a YouTube video and decide to get fit, that might not be the program for me. Right. He's tailoring this to my individual needs Absolutely. and what I want and keeping track of what I'm doing. Yeah. Same concept. Absolutely. Personalized yeah. for the patient. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I love that too. Yeah. Okay, if somebody wants to make an appointment to see you, I'm just going to throw out our toll-free number is 888-258-0078. Again, that's 888-258-0078. Just tell them that you want to make an appointment with Tiffany or Karn. Yeah, Karn. Yeah. Dr. Aronson is He's not available for, for seven months, but yes, <laughs> Karn is also excellent as so well. So Karn or yeah. Tiffany. Okay, yeah. I appreciate that. Also, our website has information about all of these services, plus you and Karn on your provider profiles. And my chart is great, too. If you just have questions and you're not sure if this is the right avenue to go, don't hesitate to even send us a my chart message and tell us what's going on. And maybe we could offer some suggestions or help you get guided in that right direction. So if you have my chart, use it. We love it. Perfect. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Iowa Specialty Hospitals and Clinics Ish Dish Podcast. For more information on the topics we discussed today, visit us on the web at iowaspecialtyhospital.com. There, you can read a transcript of today's episode or previously aired episodes, as well as get the latest news from Iowa Specialty Hospitals and Clinics and explore all of the services that we offer. For the Ish Dish Podcast, I'm Gina. Thanks for tuning in.